Let's just take a moment, if you would stand with me, let's take a moment of silence on behalf of all those who've won our freedom. We stand here in a country that we can be blessed in because of God Almighty, because of people laying down their lives for us. Nameless people that we don't even know their names lay down their lives so we could be here and worship freely this morning. When many countries, they can't worship, they can't have a Bible, they can't do anything, we are blessed. Let's take a moment of silence for all those who've gone before us. Father, today we remember those who have gone before us to purchase freedom, just as you purchased our true freedom on the cross. There are soldiers, there are military from every branch that have laid down their lives so we could be here and worship you in spirit and truth and not be denied those inalienable rights that you've given us. Father, we thank you that you sovereignly placed us in this country. We call your church to be the church that goes out and takes the gospel not only to America but all over the world, Father. And we thank you for the lives that sacrifice so we could have freedom today. In Jesus' name, amen. You could be seated. Thank you. Okay, so I'm a child of the 80s. Are there any other children of the 80s out there? Loud and proud, that's right. Now, it wasn't like nowadays when parents buy their kids the latest fashions. I mean, my kid is ridiculous. He's got Converse and Nikes and, uh, you know, all the, the, the latest stuff. If you wanted a brand name in the 80s, you fought. You pleaded. You begged. You did chore after chore, and then you did extra chores. And if that didn't work, you hoped and prayed at Christmas, but you rarely got that name brand. Are you with me? Was anybody else there like that? You rarely got it. You see, in the 80s, parents weren't like parents are now. They weren't having it. You could mope and you could whine and tell them your life was over at school because you didn't have a pair of sneakers, and they would look at you and they'd walk away. See, that's how it was for me. In the 80s, I wanted, I don't know, please, you got to say an amen if you're with me and some of the you know, children of the 80s. But I wanted a high top pair of Nike shoes. That's all a boy wants. What's so wrong with that? It didn't happen. Man, I begged. I did everything I could. But you know how it was like that with the start of the school year, that's the one time you bought a pair of shoes and maybe a pair of jeans if you were lucky, you got Levi's. Usually it was the weird blue ones that were, I don't even know what those things were called. I fought my mom. She's here this morning. She's laughing. I hope you have memory of this because I have psychological counseling because of you. I'm just joking. I'm, jo- I'm joking. I love my parents. I love my parents. They're here. They're, they're here right now. But here was what was awesome. I begged so much. At the start of the school year, they finally broke down and they got me some, it wasn't high tops, but it was a quarter top shoes at the start of the year. Man, I was so proud. They weren't Nikes, but they were perfect for me. They were crisp, shiny, white. There was canvas mixed in with the leather. I was so excited. I threw those things on, and I jumped the fence with my friends in Oklahoma to play in what we called the ditch. Well, if you've ever been to Oklahoma, there's some parts that to prevent flooding, they have all these huge ditch-like areas. And we would ride our bikes in them. And in Oklahoma, the dirt is like a reddish brown. If you've ever seen it, it's this reddish, muddy brown. And when it gets mixed in the water, you can see it looks so different. Well, I jumped the fence, 
and it had been raining, and the ditch is full of water, and I land in that water. That reddish brown just soaked into my new shoes. I mean, as fast as I went into the ditch, I was running home. I was like, man, I couldn't believe what I just did. The next day, that reddish brown color just completely stained my shoes. And I remember I was scrubbing. I was doing whatever I could. I was trying to get everything out I could, but I couldn't do it. My dad, God bless him, he's here this morning too. He felt so bad for me, so he took the shoes, and he got this like white polish that you buy like at Walgreens. He doesn't remember this. He's going to kill me. But he got this white polish, and he put it all over the leather parts. So it was this plastic, shiny white stuff, and then the canvas part was this reddish brown. I mean, if I stood out before, I totally stood out now. I begged my parents. I looked at them like, I can't go to school. You've got to buy me another pair of shoes. There's no way I can do it. I wore those shoes the whole year. My mom's nodding. See, that's how a lot of us are with sin. We have stuff in our lives. We're trying to hide it. We're trying to bury it. We're trying to scrub it out. We're trying to get the stain gone, but we can't do it. We can't run. We can't get the stain out in our own strength. Today, we're in our new series in the summer called Mark, in the book of Mark, and it's in chapter 1, verse 40 through 45, and it says this. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I love how Jesus responds, filled with compassion. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I love it doesn't say touch the leper there, because Jesus saw who he was when other people just saw a leper. And Jesus says, I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, immediately, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. This is so interesting why Jesus does this, but with a strong warning, see that you don't tell this to anyone. Watch what he does. But I want you to to underline this, highlight this, remember this, because this is going to be where we're at. But go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifice. This is the sacrifices in the Old Testament for a leper. The sacrifice that Moses commanded in the Old Testament for your cleansing as a testimony to them. I love this part. But the man, now he eventually gets to the priest. It's not saying he didn't get to the priest. But on the way, the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what happened. I've been reading my my grandpa's old King James Version Bible. I call him my grandpa. People laugh when I call him, but that's what we call him, my grandpa. And so I have his Bible, and I like to read it because he underlines it. I want to see what a man of faith had said. And so in his Bible, I looked this up, and it says in the King James Version, I love this. It says that he went around, and he published everything, and he was ablaze with telling others about Jesus. I love that. I think that's such an awesome picture of it. And it says, and the reason why Jesus told him not to do it, because Jesus couldn't go out in public anymore. But here's the reason. Verse 44, it's underlined up there. There are a few reasons Jesus said this to this man. See, in Leviticus, in the Old Testament, in the Law of Moses, it says, chapter 14, verse 1 through 32, it's these long verse. I can't even... I can't even cover it all. It would take like seven slides, eight pages up here. There's no way I can read it all. But I want to read a short passage, what they did for lepers, what these sacrifices did for lepers in Leviticus 14, 1, 32. And I want you to think of this. Think of symbols, symbolic meaning, word pictures, okay, as we read this. It's really cool. Here's Leviticus. The priest 
who this guy was going to go to, shall order that two live, clean birds or lambs. It doesn't say lambs up there because if you were poor, you brought birds or birds were provided for you. So two live creatures, of two birds, two lambs, and some cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop to be brought for the person to be cleansed. Then the priest shall order that one of the birds, catch that, one of the birds or lambs be killed over fresh water in a clay pot or an earthen vessel. Symbols, you, you guys maybe tracking, starting to hear something in here? He is then to take the live bird and dip it together with the cedar wood. We're crucified with Christ. And the scarlet yarn and the hyssop into the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. I'm just going to spill the beans, but that's the blood of Jesus and the Spirit of God, the water. We're dipped in it. We're baptized in the blood and the water. And seven times he shall sprinkle the one to be cleansed of the defiling disease and then pronounce them clean. After that, he is to release, catch this, two birds, one dies, one set free. After that, he is to release the live bird in the open fields. Are you guys hearing something here? A little fishiness here? See, there was a problem with these instructions in the Bible. They didn't cleanse the inside or the outside of man. But this was pointing to the work of the cross. When we look at a shadow, we don't see the reality of the person, right? When we look at the shadow, it's just a little bit of like the person. Then we look at the person, we see them 3D in full color, right? It's the same thing in this scripture. Paul points out in, in Colossians 2.17, he says, The things in the Old Testament, in the law of Moses, were shadows or symbolic Pointing to the reality of Christ. Listen to Colossians. The, these are the shadow of things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. You see, you are one of those birds. You are one of those lambs. And Jesus is the other lamb and the other bird. And what they would do is they would transfer the sins from the one bird to the other symbolically with their hands. And then to the one that was transferred upon would die as a sacrifice and the other one would go free. This is a picture of what Jesus did for us on the cross. My sins were transferred upon him. He died in my place so that I could be forgiven, healed, cleansed, and go free. It's a picture of the power of the cross. Do you believe in the power of the cross to heal spirit, soul, and body? You see, the priests and the rabbis believed that because the instructions in Leviticus were so exhaustive, they developed a belief that the healing of a Jewish leper would be the first to be performed by Messiah. It would be the first messianic miracle. And by this miracle, the people and the priest would know that Messiah had come. Isn't that amazing? Jesus didn't just fulfill scripture. He fulfilled their expectation. He said, go show the priest. Remember that extra biblical belief you have that when Messiah comes, he's going to heal the leper first? Guess what? I'm here. Go tell the priest. Show them reality has come. I love that. I love that. I love what Jesus does for us. But they believe this. So he is proclaiming that the reality or the Messiah is here, and now we can be healed and forgiven. But he's saying something else. When the reality comes, who is Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, we won't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. There won't be a long list 
of instructions of how to be made clean. But when the reality comes, and he has come, and he is here today, when all he has to do is touch your life, and you can be healed, and you can be cleansed. We don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops, and the sacrifice won't be birds or lambs that couldn't truly cleanse us inside or out. But the once and for all sacrifice of the Son of God on the cross, the true high priest has come. He's not only a sacrifice, he's your high priest, and he's a good high priest. At this high priest doesn't need a bunch of stuff to do. He simply touches us. He simply touches the leper. He's telling us the reality has come, and it's come to set captives free and to heal. So I'm going to say a little bit of this over because it's powerful to me. So picture this man. He's cleansed. He can't contain it. Jesus has healed him, and he does what the King James Version Bible does, which I think we should do. He's publishing it everywhere, and he's ablaze with telling everybody about Jesus. And at some point, he shows up at the priest's door, healed and whole. The testimony he took to them would have been the two animals, and they would have known that he was the one set free, cleansed, made whole, and that Messiah had come. But notice the ritual, the shadow. One lamb or bird goes free. One is sacrificed. And the one that is set free is covered in the blood over living water, washed in an earthen vessel. It's a foreshadow of what Jesus did. He took my penalty so I could go free. He got wrath so that I could find love. He cleansed me with the blood of Jesus and washed me with the Holy Spirit, the living, fresh water. He is the fountain of life. He became sin that knew no sin. The sin was transferred. My sin, your sin, was transferred on the sinless, spotless lamb. And he who knew no sin became sin, so that I might be called the righteousness of God. My guilt was put upon him. The penalty for my transgressions were put upon him. Do you realize this morning that all your uncleanness was already put on Jesus. It's so important that you see this. The sacrifice has been made for you to be set free and healed today. And it still is the same power of the cross 2,000 years ago is still powerful today. See, this is what it's like. The Father made His only begotten Son a sacrifice, and He put His sacrifice right there, and He turned His back on the sacrifice so that he could call me a son and he could call you a daughter. Isn't that amazing? Who'd look at me? Who'd look at you? But that's what Jesus did for us. Every stronghold, every sickness, every hurt, habit, or hang up, every sin, he already died on the cross for it. The lamb. See, when they take a lamb... You know, the instinct of that animal starts to say, this is not a good situation. I'm probably going to die in this situation if, if they had a voice. But this lamb, the lamb who takes away the sin of the world, willingly laid down his life for you and for me. Isn't that amazing? Man, we have forgotten the truth and the power of the cross if we can't say amen to that. We don't need new mystery knowledge stuff in the Bible. It's clear, the simple message of the cross Father God in the Bible, he says, Christ is the wisdom of God and the power of God. And it's through the preaching of the foolishness of the cross that men will be saved. Have we lost that desperation? The simple message of the cross. Is it enough for you? Are you desperate? Are you desperate like this leper to press into God? 
See, the priest would declare to anyone unclean or to a leper, I declare unto you that you are unclean. How would you like those words spoken over your life? That's what Satan speaks over your life. And a funeral was held for him by the local priest because he was considered dead the moment he was diagnosed. It was called a living funeral by the rabbis. Can you imagine that? He had a family. He probably had kids. But when he, he turned up with leprosy, it all changed. And he's pronounced dead. A living funeral. Then the priest would quote Leviticus 13, 45 through 46. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let his hair of his head hang loose. I'd be in trouble if this was me. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean, everywhere he goes. And he shall remain unclean as, unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling sh- place shall be outside the camp. And anything he touches is destined for the fire. And they had to wear a sign around their neck that said unclean everywhere they went. And they would cover their mouth. And they would yell out, unclean, unclean, because the saliva might come out. It might hit somebody and make them unclean. So they had to cover their mouth. They believed if you were clean and you were touched by the unclean, even something they touched, you were right before God. You were unclean. You were unholy. You were a sinner. And any object they touched would be burned. Can you imagine this man? Imagine for a second his family. Lepers weren't born that way. They caught that disease. And now he's living a living funeral every day of his life. His worst nightmare is true. Every day he wakes up. Leprosy was the most dreaded disease at the time, much like AIDS or Ebola today. So every morning, picture his life in a new secluded house outside the city, a place where other lepers are, but he's alone, far away from the family he once loved. As he slowly picks himself up every morning, he stood in the dark room for several minutes, the bright sun barely shining through. It's a new day, but it's the same day every day for him. It's a living funeral. He starts ripping his favorite robe that his wife had made for him. It's all he has left. He's ripped all his other clothes. Then he bent down and gathered some dust, and he rubs it all over his face and his hair until he looks like someone from a horror movie. He makes the journey back into town. He's got to figure out a way to live. He's got to ask for a crumb to, to live off of. He steps inside the city cautiously, slowly, covering his mouth, and he chokes out the dreaded words, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Can you picture him grabbing his sign every morning? The sign would, he would hold up. Maybe it said unclean, unwanted, unworthy, unloved, isolated. And as he walked around, people wretched and recoiled. When they saw him, they moved back. They moved to the other side of the street. A mother quickly grabs her child and yells, don't touch that man, stay away from him. A vendor throws something at him and says, get out of here. Quickly, the leper moves away. Some men threaten to throw stones at him. But the worst is yet to come in this day because he knew he could no longer have contact with his wife or children. But he just wants to see them again. So he cautiously, covertly heads to his house. He's trying to remain unseen because he's dead to them now. They've moved on without him. When his wife sees him coming from a distance, she grabs the children who are trying to run to him. She grabs him in his arms and, and in him so he can hear him, her saying, she shouts out, keep away from him. He's no longer your father. He's cursed by God. Have nothing to do with him. He's a dirty leper. And he turns away. 
the man's health went down, downhill quickly. His body started decomposing. The odor of death poured out every pore. He lost all his feeling and extremities, and he could no longer sense pain. His fingers eventually fell off. The word leprosy is from lepros, meaning scaly. In the Old Testament, leprosy means to rot, and this is exactly what was happening. His skin is like a pool of slime. He was a dead man walking or trying to walk. When people saw him, they throw stones at him, and as he neared the end of his life, his face because their faces started to resemble a lion in history books we read. He doesn't even look human anymore. He's isolated. He's unwanted. See, one of the laws added by the rabbis said that it was unlawful for a leper to get within 50 feet of a clean person. And on a windy day, they had to stand back 200 feet. Leprosy was a physical disease, but it also made the man spiritually dirty and socially distant. He was cursed by God, they thought. He was decaying and dying in slow motion as he progressively self-destructed. His eyesight is failing. He knew complete blindness was approaching. The leper had become utterly repulsive to others and to himself. That was every day. But today would be different. Today, he heard of a Messiah. Today, he heard of Jesus, the name above all names, the one who maybe could heal him. I know he can heal me if I can just get to him. There's a glimmer of hope. He sees Jesus from a distance. He's not supposed to go there. He's supposed to keep away, but he sees Jesus in his desperation. He moves towards Jesus. People are starting to spread around. People are starting to pick up rocks. And he moves to Jesus. Even though he was to stand at a distance, he gets to Jesus. A few stones maybe were thrown at him. And he bows down at the feet of Jesus. And he implores him. He says, Lord, Lord. If you're willing, you can make me clean. See, so many of us believe the lie of the devil. Don't go to Jesus. Stand 50 feet away. It's like what the priest said. You have to stand 50 feet away. Oh, wait, 200 feet away. And you just need to get to Jesus. And we believe the lie, and we don't run and get at the feet of Jesus for whatever it is in our lives. And you believe the lie this morning that, well, Jesus would have nothing to do with me. It's a lie. From the pit of hell. And Jesus, I love this. I love our our Lord. And Jesus, the reality that has come, the living sacrifice, the Son of God, God in the flesh, the radiance of the Father's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by the power of his word. It says in Hebrews, what did Jesus do? Creator of all things, reaches out his hand and touches the leper I am willing I am willing don't let the devil keep you 50 feet he is willing he's reaching out his hand to you this morning he is willing don't miss the significance of Jesus touching this leper They weren't allowed to get close because the uncleanness would be transferred to the one who touched him. In addition, the leprosy itself could be passed on, but deity cannot be defiled. Deity cannot be defiled. Jesus came to make the unclean clean. Jesus is about touching the untouchable. Do you feel untouchable this morning? Do you feel the last person that would reach out his hand to you is Jesus? I want to tell you today that he's reaching out his hand to the untouchable. You see, to Jesus, no one is untouchable. 
No one. See, I think these words were coded. This is just me. When Jesus says, I am willing, I think he was saying, like in the garden, when he said, I am he, and they they threw back, because he's using the ancient name of Yahweh, I am. I think he's saying, guess what? The word of God, the great I am that spoke from Moses from the bush is here right now. I am willing. Do you believe the great I am that sustains all things by his word, all living things, all universe, all the world, is calling you today and will touch your life. Interestingly, he's told not to tell anybody, right? And he tells everybody before he gets to the priest. We're told to tell everybody, but we don't tell anybody. I wonder if it's because we've never really been touched by Jesus or we forget that we've been touched by Jesus. Maybe that's where so much of our bad attitude comes from. If we're going to be real. We don't see our need for him. We think we are healthy. We got it all together. We aren't desperate. Like when he first found us. Do you remember when he first found you? I do. He brought physical healing to me. I was so desperate for him. But we lose that desperation. The worst thing that can happen to a believer is when we stop seeing our daily need for Jesus. Lord, make us restless. Make us desperate for you. You see, maybe it's not a physical illness. Maybe our sickness is a secret sin or what I call a soul sickness like depression or hurt or worry or anxiety. Maybe the sign you would hold up this morning would be this. Unclean, unwanted, unworthy, unloved, isolated, sinner, broken, alone, abandoned. Maybe it's a sin, sexual immorality, unclean mouth and thoughts. Maybe you're a doubter. That would be your sign that you would carry around if everybody could see it right now. You see, there's two types of people in this world. Those who know they are sick and those who don't realize they're sick. Jesus said the same thing in Mark 2.17. He said this, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous. In other words, those who think they have it all together. Those who think they're not sick. But those who know they are sinners. The ones that know they're sick that know their need, that are desperate. You see, sin is the problem. Listen, sometimes he allows us to hit rock bottom so we have nowhere else to go but look up. Maybe that's where you're at right now because you forgot the desperate heart you used to have with Jesus and it's nobody's fault but yours. But guess who is reaching out to you? Are you desperate? Is this church desperate? Are we desperate for Jesus? See, sin is the problem. Just as it says in Leviticus 13.52, anything a leper touched was destined for fire. Some of you feel like that. Everything I touch gets destroyed. Be careful. Don't let Satan lie to you and say, well, you shouldn't come to Jesus because everything you touch. But you need to know something about sin. It's dangerous. And sin leads to eternal judgment, to hell. Let's call it what it is, hell. But Jesus saves us from eternal judgment. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And this is the best part of the good news. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, he will be saved. See, what Jesus did for leper, he can do for you as well. 
one touch from the Savior. You'll never be the same. Nothing is too gross. Nothing's too ugly. There's nothing too dirty or shameful that our Savior can't cleanse. See, you're probably like me with those crazy shoes. You're scrubbing away. You're trying to keep it hidden. You're trying to get the stain out of those shoes. But you need to come to the only one that can cleanse you. It says this in Isaiah somewhere. Come now. Let us settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet... I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool. Do you need cleansing today? Will you come to Jesus and fall at his feet saying, Lord, I'm desperate. I need help. I have a sin problem. I'm miserable. I know I'm going to die from this sin unless you forgive me. I know I'm going to die from this. If you don't help me, Lord, please show mercy. Forgive me. I know you can save me. And I ask you right now to touch my heart. Take away my sin. Give me new life. If that's you this morning, sin is the problem. But Jesus took care of it on the cross because he loved you so much. While we were his enemies, while we were yet sinners, rejecting him, Christ died for us because he loved us so much. But just every head bowed and every eye closed right now. I'm praying that God is stirring in your heart right now. If you don't know Jesus, today is the day. Listen, this life is short compared to eternity. Eternity is a long time. The choices we make now, and this choice right now, this is the greatest choice that you can make right now. You can settle it right now. That right now, that your eternal destination is not hell, but it's heaven. If you believe in Jesus, they ask, what work should we do to be saved? Jesus said, believe. Believe in him. Believe Jesus died and rose from the grave. And he did this for you. So not out loud. I just want you to pray this in your heart. If you don't know Jesus today, I want you to pray this to him right now. You don't have to pray it out loud. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for your cross. For taking what I deserved. Thank you for taking every sin that I ever had and taking it up on the cross. Please come into my life. Give me new life. Place your Holy Spirit in me. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. And maybe you're a believer today. You're not desperate anymore. And those clothes that you've been clothed in with Christ Maybe they got a little stains in them. Maybe they got a little bit of the world on them because you're not desperate anymore. You're not at his feet. You've forgotten the simple message of the cross. It's still the power of the cross. It's still the power of God. Maybe that's you today. You need to come back to him. You need to come back to him. Come back to the Lord. After being cleansed by Christ, the leper would have been able to write some new words which described his life, clean, wanted, worth it, love, whole, accepted, forgiven. You can have that today. He's not asking for you to grovel at his feet. He's asking you to believe. That's it. Just believe and come to him. That's it. No matter where you're at, to Jesus, no one is untouchable. No one. No one. No one. He believed. The leper believed. Jesus said, I'm willing. 
only believe. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those that come to him must believe he is and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know what earnestly seek him looks like? What the leper did. I'm gonna get to Jesus. The devil's not gonna lie to me anymore. I'm not standing 50 feet or 200 feet away. I'm getting to the feet of Jesus where he can touch me because he'll make things right. I can't. I'm powerless and Jesus is powerful. That's you today. See, maybe it's not a sin, but maybe it's sickness. Do you believe he can cure you? Maybe you have a physical ailment. When he cast out demons and healed diseases in Matthew, listen what it says. This is before the cross. It's speaking of the cross. Listen, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. How? On the cross. The cross reverses everything sin brought with it. Every sin, oppression, sickness. He bore it all on the cross. If there's any sick among you, we are called to lay hands and pray the prayer of faith over you. That's what the church is called to do. We're called to do that. Maybe it's not a physical ailment for you. Maybe it's a soul sickness. Maybe it's worry and anxiety. I was having a conversation with Mikey this morning. You know, for America, it's not so much we need to be physically healed, but our spirit needs to be healed, our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, because we're sick inside our souls, because we've compromised so much, and we're not desperate anymore to press into Jesus. But maybe it is a physical sickness today. I've asked several people that are going to come up when I come down here to pray over you and to lay hands on you. I believe this morning that God wants to move. See, when Paul preached the gospel, he said, I don't just come with mere words. I come with power, Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. He said the, the gospel of the kingdom is not just a matter of words, but of power. Holy Spirit wants to touch you today. He wants to touch you today. Band, you can come up. As we begin to close, again, we're going to be in the front. I've asked a few people to be here. I want to read this to you. Your faith, your faith is the key. And your faith in Jesus will work. Because faith doesn't rest in your ability. It's in God's ability and provision he made on the cross. See, we got faith all wrong. Faith is about Jesus and what he did, not what I can do or muster up. Because I can't muster up much. Jesus is like, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, he's trying to get across that it's not about us, it's about him. Put your faith in the faithfulness of God. Put your faith in the faithfulness of Jesus. What he did on the cross He can make you clean. It's all through his son, Jesus, who the scriptures say is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Your faith in him will work. Your profession in him and his ability, he's ready to touch you. He is willing this morning. This isn't a a, a historical story from 2,000 years ago. It is, but it's a story for today. It's your story being written today. Right now, he wants to touch you. And I want to end this way with some scripture if you have faith, if you believe he is willing, just as the leper believed. Listen, I know it's kind of small, but listen to the scriptures. This is to what he said to the centurion. He says, go your way. Jesus is talking to him. As you have believed, so let it be done to you. And a servant was healed the same hour. Matthew eight thirteen. Daughter, he's talking to this woman with the issue of blood and uncleanness, where years of her life were wasted on medical bills and nothing stops her problem. He merely touches, she touches the hem of his garment in her faith and desperation. And Jesus said to her, daughter, 
Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Mark 5.3 and Mark 5.36 to Jairus, whose daughter just died, but would soon be alive again. He said, be not afraid, only believe. Mark 5.36, be not afraid, only believe. Come to Jesus. And the two blind men following Jesus to Jairus' house said to Jesus, son of David, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. Have faith. Your faith in what Jesus did on the cross will work. Do not fear. Come to Jesus. If it's a sin, if it's a soul sickness, if you have a physical sickness, whatever it is this morning, I've asked people they're going to come up here. And as the music is playing, anytime you need to come up to us, let us place our hands on you and we'll pray over you, okay? Please, it's time to do this. Jesus is willing.